Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And this episode number 328, I get to bring back on the show listener favorites, Mary Flo Ridley and Megan Michelson to help us talk to our kids about the topic of sex. I think that a phrase that we've started saying recently, and I really love it, is that we we should not equate innocence with ignorance. A lot of times parents will say, I just don't want to take away their innocence. Mm-hmm. And that's, nobody wants that. We don't want that. What we're trying to do is protect their innocence with the beauty of God's design. We want to protect their innocence by showing them the beautiful way that this was all intended to be. And that is what will protect them, not not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> so, ignorance. Not ignorance. So uh, I think that's that's been something that has kind of resonated in our hearts recently is just to, re- to take away that fear that they're not going to be innocent anymore. They're actually going to be protected. Their innocence will be protected. Innocence is more of a frame of mind, not a lack of knowledge. Mary Flo and Megan have been on the show several times before, and we put all those links in the show notes, and they've presented their Birds and Bees curriculum, which is now available online, and they have their own podcast. And I just want to acknowledge, I know this is hard, and y'all are so brave to even click play on your podcast player, and maybe this is an earbud conversation. You listen in, and then you get to be the expert for your kids. You get to decide how you approach this topic, but I wanted to present their approach because I have found it super helpful in having lots of little conversations with my boys about the topic of sex. And so I want to empower you. I want you to be encouraged instead of trepidatious in this topic. And the world is educating us every day. And so what a gift that you get to be the first line of defense with our kids and you get to present to them what you feel like is your messaging around the topic. So there's so much goodness in it. I want to get right to it. Here we go. Megan and Mary Flo, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Heather. We are so excited to be back on your show. We were just talking. I can't believe it's been two years. It seems like it wasn't that long ago. Well, we missed a year. Yeah, we kind of, there was a there was a dark period. <laughs> skip over. One doesn't count. <laughs> One of the years doesn't count. Well, I was telling y'all that I've been getting DMs from moms who are asking for help in the area of how to talk to their kids about sex, and I'm like, I already talked about that. I've already covered that. I've already connected you with the best resource possible, which is your Birds and Bees course. That, but I think it's been so long, Mary Flo, that you and I did that like 2014 or something. So we need a redo. We need to reintroduce these moms that are now onboarded with the Don't Mom Alone podcast. And I think before we even jump in, um, I'm going to give my little testimonial. (laughs) Please do. Please do. So the reason I invite Mary Flo and Megan on the show is that years ago, oh my gosh, I think when my youngest was a baby, Mary Flo came to our mops group, our mops and pops, and introduced us to her way of teaching kids about sex. And ever since I heard her talk and since I've done her training and her courses, I've never felt fear 
about talking to my kids on the topic. I've never felt like I didn't know what to say or how to say it really. Mary Flo, a lot of your phrasings and y'all's course, it's like, even when my oldest brought up the topic again as a freshman in high school, it was a super easy conversation, not intimidating, super grateful that whenever they come to me to be the resource. And so I want that same thing for moms. I want moms who have two and three-year-olds to not think, well, that's something we'll talk about when they're preteens. So let's start there because a lot of times it's parents whose kids are like 10, 11, 12 going on these weekend away trips. And they're like, well, it's time to have the talk. Why, why is a different approach maybe better? (laughs) (laughs) We kind of um, exploded that idea and really revolutionized the idea of the talk. And actually Megan has those younger ones. She has two and three year olds. So she is experiencing what what you moms are experiencing who have young children. But years ago, when I first started doing this, I had young children too. And I wondered, can I answer their questions? How do I go about that? And why should I answer when they're asking instead of putting it off until they're older? And I have to tell you, it's the easiest way that there is to go because you're just talking to a child. You're talking on their level. You're talking about seeds and eggs and You're also just introducing the topic, laying foundational conversations. You're not doing that one time only, pull out all the stops. I have this first, last, and only chance to tell my children about sex, so it better be done right. You don't have the pressure of that. So it's an easier, less pressurized way because you just continually go back to them kind of layer upon layer, drip, drip, drip. And so that is why we talk to young children. That's one reason, but there are lots of other reasons. (laughs) And probably the, the other big reason is because we want you to be the authority in their lives on this topic. And when they're little and they go off to school, you think everyone else is a six-year-old in their class, but chances are there's a six-year-old who's the youngest of six (laughs) and they're living in a different world and bring different material to the classroom. So we, we want you to be the loving authority on this subject and not their friends. And if you don't speak to them, someone else will. So, And that's kind of our whole, um, the whole mission of Birds and Bees is to get rid of the talk. Um, I think parents in my generation know, you know, subconsciously, okay, we have to do this differently. You know, the old way of doing things is an awkward conversation at an awkward age. And we are parenting right now, little kids thinking and kind of looking around and they like, oh my goodness, it is this tech saturated world. It's a sex saturated world. Everyone's feeling a little bit like, okay, I, I have to do this differently, but how? And that is where we want to encourage and equip parents of these are age appropriate conversations. You know, I don't want anyone here listening, thinking I am not about to tell my five-year-old, you know, the dangers and pleasures of sex. Like, and that is not what we're asking you to do. So, you know, hear us out here. Um, But what we're trying to do is explain in age appropriate ways, just like honestly, with every other big topic we as parents explain, um, like your faith, for example, you know, we don't wait until they're 13 to have this one big gospel and 10 minute conversation that explains um, everything, right? We start with Sunday school lessons and little stories and age appropriate ways and the fruit of the spirits and scripture memory. And we build and build and build. And so they can finally understand when they're older, total depravity and bigger words and, you know, all those things. But 
we don't hold out and say nothing and then bombshell at the end. We, we break it down to age appropriate ways. And that is what we want parents to do with the topic of sex is to not be afraid and be silenced, but to be equipped and have tools and phrases to say in age appropriate ways. If there has ever been a year to make the dads in your life feel loved and appreciated on Father's Day, it's this one. I know y'all know that I lost my dad a few years ago, and I wish I could have given him this gift, that I could have gathered his stories. I'm so thankful that y'all have the chance to honor your fathers or grandfathers or uncles with a heartfelt, sentimental gift the whole family can cherish forever. It's story Worth And what StoryWorth is, is an online service that helps you gather these stories from your dad, your grandfather, your father-in-law, any father figure in your life through thought-provoking questions that they email them. Now, it's such a fun way because you can see their answers right away. Also, they gather all of the answers and after a year, they will compile them into a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free. You can even include photos in your book. I think that some of these questions are ones that we wouldn't think to ask, but we'd love to know the answers. If you want to give your dad the most meaningful gift this Father's Day, get Story Worth and get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash DMA. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash DMA for $10 off. And I don't know if you caught what Mary Flo was saying about when they go to school, because some people be like, well, I'll have a, you know, talk when they're 10, but a little five or six-year-old sitting in a kindergarten class is sitting next to another five or six-year-old that has a 16-year-old brother and is exposed to 16-year-old things. And so that's been really helpful to me to recognize, one, not feel bad (laughs) that my youngest (laughs) is maybe that kid, that we just are the age of our oldest child. That concept came when I heard y'all first speak and has stuck with me. We just are. And I have to recognize that and maybe apologize to whatever firstborn child my youngest plays with (laughs) and his mom and say, hey, FYI. (laughs) has seen and been exposed to a lot. And that's something as we as parents, you know, we say that a lot is your, your family is the age of the oldest child and everybody else keeps up. And if you're listening and you have like a three-year-old and a baby at home, you even see it that young, right? That baby is probably going to sit in front of the TV for a second to watch Daniel Tiger. So you can take a shower where that firstborn, it was like, there's there's no screen time until two, because that's what the doctor says, you know, like it's just the way our families work. And so we just want to be, um, we want parents to focus instead of when, like when's the perfect age, we want parents to focus on the question of who, who do I want to tell them? Who do I want to have the power of the first impression? And that is where we want parents kind of focus is like, I want to be that. I want them to hear about it from me. Um, and not this lovely educated seven-year-old who's (laughs) <laughs> the youngest, you know? Yeah. And and if, like we've talked before on other episodes, y'all have come on um, with technology being in their hands younger and younger ages, the accidental exposure to something, even if you are a super intentional and you're like, oh, we don't X, Y, and Z, they could innocently stumble upon something. And so the viewpoint that you've already 
filled the sponge and with the ideas that your family believes and the values you all hold. So then when they get exposed, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't line up. And it's not like absorbed as truth. It's rejected as not fitting. Well, the illustration that you just brought up about the sponge is something that I think Christian parents really um, can take hold of because there's a little sponge in the mind of all of our children that you could label curiosity about sexual things. And I think, I know, you know, when I was growing up, my parents wanted to be sure nothing got in that sponge. They did everything they could to make sure there was nothing in that sponge. And I think they did that out of a sense of protection. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to protect me from things that were out there. But now we know that and what's really better is to protect them is to actually fill their sponge because they otherwise you're sending them out into the world with very vulnerable with an empty dry sponge and the first thing they hear goes in there as the as sort of the authority on that topic and so you want to you know if you imagine sort of a sponge that is full that goes out into the world anything that lands on it kind of rolls off yes they hear it yes they saw it whatever you can't really protect them from everything they're going to hear and see out there. There's just no way. But the way you can protect them is to have filled their sponge with an understanding and just the basic biology and the fact that mom and dad are willing to talk to you about this so that you come back, the child comes back and talks to the parent instead of just hiding it, which is where the trouble starts. So yeah, that was, when you said the sponge, I thought they may not know about. Well, and I think it's important to point out, you know, I think a lot of times, it's just a good reminder, especially in Christian homes, that this sponge, uh, you know, curiosity about sexual things, that's a God-given curiosity. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. We're all born with that curiosity of why are, why are boys different from girls or why are they holding hands? Why are they kissing? Ooh. You know, like those, that's, are not, that's not a bad thing. So I, I think we just want to give parents um, the tools to fill your child's sponge with your voice and your values. And another reason we really emphasize talking when they're young, not only is that when they're asking questions, but that is when they believe us. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that is like, we can fill their sponge and like that elementary school and preschool. That's when you hear the phrases of like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not what my mom said. And my mom doesn't lie. Or my dad knows more than your dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of stuff. They are like rooting for us. They believe us. Um, and so that is what we want to take advantage of those years when they are asking us and believing us and really fill their sponge with our voice and values as a protection. Um, so when outside messages come in, they kind of just go right back out of like, uh, uh-uh. That's not what my mom said. <laughs> That's not really true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, also, I be, I think that a phrase that we've started saying recently, and I really love it, is that we we should not equate innocence with ignorance. A lot of times parents will say, I just don't want to take away their innocence. Mm-hmm. And that's, nobody wants that. We don't want that. What we're trying to do is protect their innocence with the beauty of God's design. We want to protect their innocence by showing them the beautiful way that this was all intended to be. And that is what will protect them, not not knowing anything, mm-hmm. not, <laughs> so, ignorance. not ignorance. So uh, I think that's that's been something that has kind of resonated in our hearts recently is just to, re- to take away that fear that they're not going to be innocent anymore. They're actually going to be protected. Their innocence will be protected. Innocence is more of a frame of mind, not a lack of knowledge. That's amazing. That's so good. And I think, you know, so many women that I interact with have so much baggage around the topic, pain, wounding, 
this is where the enemy comes in and there's, you know, unfortunately a lot of abuse and there's just, just really hard parts of their story. And so they bring all of that and they think, no way do I want to hand that to my child. And what I love is your approach that you answer the, the questions they ask. And they aren't going to ask those heavy questions because they do have the innocence of just a curious, scientific approach. <laughs> and, and I love how you guys have always said, if they lived on a farm, there wouldn't be as many questions right, <laughs> right in front of them. All it is what it is. This is how it works. <laughs> this is all this reproduction is happening. This is just how God designed something to make something else just like it. Mm-hmm. And something I think it's important to point out is like our young kids are not hormonally charged. They have not gone through puberty. They don't, they're not developed in this way. And so like those women you were just talking about, like that is it, the heaviness that we feel as women, as adults, as parents, moms, dads, um, it's because we are hormonally charged. We are assumingly sexually active. We are coming to the table with baggage experiences, good things, bad things. Um, and so it's hard to separate those in our brains, but I think it's just a good reminder that our kids are not wired that way yet. So to them, it's face value. It's facts. You know, it might be like, what? <laughs> it works how, but they're not, they're not charged, um, sensually, you know, so they're not taking these the way that we're saying them. So I think it's really important to point out that difference and just remind parents that with these conversations going forward, it is not about you and your past. It is about them and their future. And that's not to diminish, diminish, you know, your experiences. And that's something that we really encourage parents and couples and moms to work through and to get help if you need professional help and to really get to the bottom of these issues to find freedom in that. Um, So not to diminish that, but to separate it, that these kids, the conversations we have with our kids no longer include you and your past. That's good. Okay. So I have a kid and let's say, I think what's perfect is a lot of these moms listening, maybe they have one, maybe they have two, maybe they're pregnant with a third. Maybe they have one and they're pregnant with the second. What a great time Mm -hmm. because there will be so many questions. So let's say a child comes to you and mom, what do you think? I know Mary Flo, you're like some of the first questions they have Mm -hmm. typically aren't the intercourse. It's more just factual. Developmentally children typically ask questions about birth before they ask about conception. They haven't wondered how the baby got in there as much as they've wondered how that baby's going to get out. And so even though we know biologically that conception comes first, we follow their curiosity in our course. And we say it would really be helpful to start with the birth story and then follow it up later on with the conception story. So this is one of those wonderful stories that sometimes we don't really take to our advantage. We think this can be one of the most dazzling (laughs) stories you can tell a child because it is a, it has a happy ending for the most part. And it's a wonderful story. So you really want to include as much vocabulary as possible. You want to actually sort of overwhelm them just a little bit (laughs) because you want them to walk away thinking, wow, my parents know a lot. So you use words like umbilical cord and, and obviously you use the word vagina because that's the special place where the baby comes out and, you know, you'll just use uterus instead of a tummy. They need to not be confused that the digestive system is the same as the reproductive system. And so the baby is actually not in mommy's tummy. So you want to, you know, free that up to 
make room for the cheeseburger. And instead you want the baby (laughs) to be where the baby is, you know? And so the more clarity and the more correct vocabulary you can give your children in the birth story, the more authoritative you look in their eyes, they walk away pretty, pretty amazed that this is how it all happens. So we do want to tell the birth story in a great way. And the birth story, you know, Again, we, you all know this, but it's explaining how that baby gets out is a lot easier than explaining how that baby gets in. <laughs> you know, it, that's very obvious to most parents. But like Mary Flo said, using the word uterus, birth canal, umbilical cord, cesarean section, all these big words. I mean, our kids are going to walk away probably blown away of like, wow, I did not think <laughs> that is how the baby came out. But also thinking, wow, those are really big words. And my mom and dad, you know, dads can say that too. Um, but my, my parents know everything about babies. Again, we just want to take advantage of these young years where they are curious and they're asking us questions and they believe us. You know, what we don't want to do is say nothing and then wait until it's awkward for everybody, you know, in the story of birth and using those big words and dazzling them and becoming the experts, it's just a wonderful opportunity to start, um, that pattern of communication between Mm -hmm. parent and child. I know I've shared a lot of dinner time solutions with y'all, but I recently got to try out HelloFresh for the first time. And y'all, this is what I loved about them. One, I loved they had a lot of family-friendly options, and I thought that was really helpful because I didn't have to worry about, will my boys like this? There was a pasta meal that I chose, like a buffalo chicken, and I just felt like also it was really helpful because the week that I had them deliver our food was also a week where I had a lot of driving around. And one night I was able to tell my son, hey, the meal is already packaged in the fridge. The instructions are on the counter. And he was able to put it together. And so I know you guys don't have teen boys that can help you out, but that really took away a lot of the stress. I love there's flexibility. So if you're looking towards your summer and you want to give yourself a little gift This could be a great option where you could sign up for meals for when you're home and then maybe you're on vacation. Um, You don't have to worry about it. You can put a pause and then just, you know, not have to worry about what's for dinner. Sit by the pool a little longer, come home, and in 30 minutes you can have a meal on the table. And I have a great news for you. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA12, the number, like one, two, and use that code DMA12, you will get 12 free meals, 12 free meals, y'all, including free shipping. This is easy. This is an easy yes. So you just go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA1212 and use that code DMA for Don't Mom Alone 12. Get those fr- 12 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Check it out. I think the next follow-up question a lot of moms have is, okay, let's say I take this approach and then <laughs> my preschooler walks into preschool saying vagina, 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 penis, <laughs> penis, penis, and I get the phone call. <laughs> so, and like I told y'all, and this is a whole nother question, so maybe I can hold off, but <laughs> we have so many penises at our house mm-hmm. and like one vagina. So right. that word is hardly ever used <laughs> and <laughs> it feels really unique compared to like I think penis is used every day, that word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think a good um, 
reminder is penis, 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 vagina, vagina, vagina. Those are not bad words. Right. And I think we have to repeat that to ourselves a lot. Like, is it mortifying if your preschool teacher calls you and says, my daughter, your daughter said vagina in the playground. Like, oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll make sure we, you know, remind her these are private areas, but I also don't want her thinking that's a bad word. That's okay to say. These are not bad words. God made all of our body parts. These are not bad parts. These are not bad words. So I think that's a good reminder as parents. Now, that does not mean you cannot try to put some boundaries on these words, right? Um, something we feel super strongly about is introducing these anatomically correct words to our kids, penis, vagina. Our kids need to know those parts. They need to know those words, but they also need to know the boundaries. These are private parts, you know, um, and like you said, the word penis is said a million times. If you have little kids, they are naked around you all the time, right? So there's ample opportunities to have these conversations, um, if not daily, very often, right? Oh, sweetheart, let's, you know, get cleaned up in the bubble bath. Oh, that's your penis. Let's keep it clean. That's a private area. That's why nobody else can touch that. Or, oh, this is your vagina. This is a private area. Let's put our underwear on. Um, we don't want to show other people our private areas. So again, we want to set clear boundaries for good touch and bad touch. And we also um, can kind of incorporate, you know, this is our, these are our private parts. And so when we're out in public, we can just refer to them as our privates. When you're at school, you can talk them about your private parts or at the grocery store. Um, but when you're, when you're at home, you can always ask mommy and daddy questions about your penis or your vagina. Again, we want to make these medical and matter of fact terms. I just think it's, it's a slippery slope if we feel like these are bad words, because ultimately we're creating a, a pattern of secrecy and shame or even silliness when we as parents need to be the authority and the adult in the situation and say, these are not bad words. These are not bad parts. Um, if something happens, you can come and talk to me. We don't want, um, the, you know, if you talk to any abuse expert, they will tell you the number one thing we as parents can do to protect our kids is to label their body parts penis and vagina and to um, clearly label them as private. And those are just over and over conversations. Nobody else can touch this. Nobody else can look at this. Nobody takes a picture of this. I'm um, just matter of fact phrases you're saying over and over again. And what Megan just did also is give a really good definition of private. Sometimes we'll, as parents will say, well, that's your private part. Well, a young child may not know exactly mm -hmm. what that means. Like tell me what that means that it's private. And she just explained that no one else touches it, looks at it, takes a picture of it, you know, so that's what it means that it's private. And because they may just make up another definition in their brain. So you don't just label it private. You also explain it. How do you set them up for success then? And y'all know from our generational upbringings that this transition, when you actually get married, that it's like, oh, this was private and no one and now it's like, it's fun and enjoyable and good. It, there was kind of the shame and the purity culture. How do we set our kids up differently with value statements that kind of help that transition? Well, I think hopefully all of what we're doing at Birds and Bees is to make this not a taboo topic. And I think a lot of that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say our goal at Birds and Bees is to you know, have people have, is an abstinence driven thing. Now, is that a good thing? Yes. If that's what, you know, if you have a biblical understanding of sex, you understand why it's intended only for marriage. But I think only focusing on that can kind of create this purity driven um, concept. But what we want to do is it's so much bigger than that. 
you know, and we want to make this, this is, this is a part of your life. This is something that God's created for marriage. Um, but this is something that we're going to be talking about in and out throughout your life. You know, I think we can almost build it up to be this big secret thing. And then, Oh wait, it's part of it. You know, here it is when ultimately what we want to do is this is just a part. This is something that, you know, what happens when you're married, or this is what your bodies are designed to do, or this is how a baby is made. This is how baby is born. We want to kind of drip by drip, make this a part of their life, a part of our family conversations. So it's not this like hidden quiet thing. And then you know, it's not suppressed. And then just whew, here it is. Well, and I, I think too, that some, I don't know exactly how to answer your question of how do you set them up for success? But I would say you need to, at some point, talk not just about how this was designed for fruitfulness, that it's not just for babies. When they're little, that's the main thing that you're talking about, how babies are made and how babies are born. But as they get older, you point out that a husband should leave his parents and cling to his wife. This is also for oneness, that, that you really talk about marriage, that you talk about the joys and the and um, the oneness that are known in marriage and that each marriage is different. So no one can tell you exactly what your private life will be with your husband, but together you can learn to grow, to be caring for one another, both inside and outside the bedroom, you know, that there's just a lot that goes on in a marriage, but it just, it doesn't happen overnight. I think you can set up that, you know, it's once you learn to communicate with each other, there's, there's just a lot of different layers that you can anticipate for them about marriage. They may even ask you about your life. You know, some kids will say, well, tell me about, no, because that's such a, a private part of our, of our own marriage. I don't want to give you an example and then have you have an ex. I don't want to frame it up for you because you, you and your wife will someday frame this up, but just know that being respectful and kind and loving and listening, those are skills that will work for you well in in the future. So, you know, I think you can set them up to not anticipate and, and not to put too much shame on the private parts too. to say exactly. Now, these are good and have a good intention, but they, they do need to be kept private. Maybe you add until marriage, you know, maybe you add that element. And that's what I love about y'all's course too, is that it, it kind of coaches parents through the process of coming up with their value. Is that what do you call it? Value statement? Family message. Family message. Your family message. And we did that. Bruce and I came together. We came up with that that message. And then it has been a part of just, you know, you watch a movie and there's a scene and then you can pull in the, the message. And then, you know, they hear a story of a friend or something happened to someone else. And it's like, then we pull in the message. And so it has really framed up our family life to the point of, I think we call sex, mommy, daddy time. <laughs> so I just like, re, like this is just, yeah. which it is what it is. And what, what mommy and daddies do. Yeah. But um, I think going through the course helps parents if they're struggling, like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. I don't even know what that is for them to decide for their families and own it and how to integrate it. I, I also love just the confidence that when a question comes up, I, I basically have y'all's voice in my head saying, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> just that, like, talk about that, like the attitude, because I think most people it's like white, white knuckles on the steering wheel. Cause it's probably when you're driving, something comes up and 
your face just draws a blank and you're terrified. Oh my gosh, this is it. This is the moment instead of this is an ongoing conversation. And so there isn't anything to fear. And you almost get excited when they ask a question because here we go, we get to talk about it. So talk to us about like, how do we approach the questions, the tone? First of all, I just want to, right now, we may have some parents out there that are saying, I wish my child would ask a question. So That's some a good point. never ask. And so what we want to do is to be sure that you're both ready for the question and ready if they don't ask, because we want to be sure parents know they're in charge of this topic. Don't just wait for your children to ask um, because they may never ask. And you may feel like it's the right time. You know, we're going to this gender reveal for your cousin. So what I want to talk about is how do they know that this is, you know, what the gender and what does gender mean and all of that. So it's look for opportunities to talk to them, not just to wait for their questions. If they don't ask questions, our favorite phrase is, have you ever wondered, sweetheart, have you ever wondered exactly how that baby is going to get out of Mrs. Wilson? You know, we just saw her yesterday at that baby shower and that baby's ready to come. Do you know how the baby's going to, now we're taking her a meal today, but the baby came out. Have you ever wondered how that happened? So you are introducing them. You're inviting them in. You're saying, come over here. Let me tell you about this. And they may have wondered, sometimes children are very curious and don't know how to exactly formulate that question. And sometimes they're totally oblivious, but no, I've never wondered. <laughs> nope, never thought about it. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. I've been wondering when you would ask. Yeah. So we're going to go there. And that's the, I think that is one of the best thing, a really healthy example to them. Of, you know, this is a, this is a doable subject. We are going to put it on the table. I'm going to introduce this topic, if, even though you haven't. And um, I think that gives them confidence then to come back to you with a question. To kind of reiterate what you were saying, Heather, um, it's like we want kids to know they've come to the right place. And so this phrase that Mary Flo started a very long time ago <laughs> um, is a great, like, you know, these, like you said, the questions come, typically we're driving and we want to panic, white knuckling. Ah, where did you hear that? Who said that? You know, like that's our, that's our gut reaction. Like, don't say that to mother or whatever. And we're just like, ooh. And that's not what we want, right? That is that is not helping us with this open communication. And I am the expert and you come to me and I'm so whatever. So you, we almost encourage you to kind of fake it until you make it. And so we encourage this phrase to respond to these scary questions is, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it's a great landing spot. You know, we want kids to know they have come to the right place. I am so excited to talk to you about this. You know, I'm so glad you asked me, you know, and it's also kind of a good stalling device to make sure you're thinking straight. What's my family message? Which direction am I heading in? What words am I going to use? Am I still breathing? You know, all these little things, but ultimately what we want our child to know, while we're having all these thoughts race, race through our head is we want our child to know right away, gosh, I'm so glad I asked my mom or I knew my mom can, and I could talk about this or, you know, so we just really want to encourage parents. You can be the expert and we want to really help cultivate this relationship where they can ask those questions. If they're not asking questions, we love the phrase, have you ever wondered, dot, dot, dot. And then um, if they are asking questions, a great, you know, initial reaction is that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Mm -hmm. And if it's a, if it's an older kid that asks and it's maybe a subject you don't want to cover in front of younger siblings, how do we navigate that? We think the best way to approach that is to go ahead and answer at the youngest person's level. So 
take the question and don't avoid the question. Don't maybe answer it fully or completely or what you would say if you were with them by yourself, but answer at the four-year-old level. And then when you get the chance as soon as possible to be alone with that older child, that's the time you would say, you know, you asked me such a great question, but your four-year-old sister does not, you know, didn't need to hear the full answer, but I want to give you a fuller answer because you're in third grade or you're in fourth grade or you're in middle school, whatever. And I know you're hearing about these things. So I wasn't avoiding your question. I just wanted to answer so that she could hear the answer too. And um, maybe you take it back to, you know, that's, that's a part of sex that is different than what we've talked about before. And, or, you know, maybe you kind of divert just a little bit. If they ask, you know, a really complicated question, you can just say, you know, all families are different and we can talk about that as we're growing up. Tell me about this situation and then we can talk about it more later. But I wouldn't shut it down, you know, because then they will go find someone else to answer answer that question. And again, shutting it down, you know, like, let's say, you know, you have four kids, there's a age gap, right? So if the older kid asks a question in front of the younger one, your, your instinct might be like, don't say that word in front of your little brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but, but ultimately what is that doing? That is just reminding our kids or telling our kids, this is a bad word, or this is a bad topic, or this is not something that we can talk about. And just, you can slowly reiterate that message in our homes. And that is not what we want. We want our kids to know this is who you talk to about this. We talk about this as a family and what Mary Flo was talking about going back to the older child is um, a theme that we really encourage at birds and bees. And that is to circle back um, because we want to help create healthy families that are proactive parents, right? We have a purposeful message we want to give to our kids and we are going to proactively move towards our kids with that message, but we are not perfect parents. We are going to mess up. We are going to say something and be like, Oh, I can't believe I said that Yeah. or wow, I really messed that up or whatever. We're going to all mess up and that's okay, but we can be purposeful parents. So circle back, go back to that child who is still in your home, you know, and say, honey, earlier today, you asked me a great question and I just got so nervous, but you know what? You deserve a better answer and I want you to hear from me. So we have permission to do that. We can circle back um, and give them the better answer. It also trains them to circle back to us. You know, you gave me, you, we had this conversation, but I've been wondering about this part of it. We're being an example to them of how you, how you keep the conversation going. Yeah. And I will say, even though you're like, we already talked about that, what sinks in and then they grow and then they're exposed <laughs> they to something else. And then how that, I mean, literally it's just, it is a, it's not, it could never be a one-time talk. No. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I just, I can't imagine it being a one-time talk but with for the my parents, boys. Yes. But for the parent, they think check did that. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and they think I don't ever have to do that again because we have so ingrained in our brains, the talk we'll ask our friends, have y'all had the talk yet? The, the, like it's a one-time only. It is an ongoing conversation. And sometimes when it's been a while, you need to bring it up again. You know, we've talked about this but how much do you remember about the birth story? Could you tell me how a baby's born? You know, check in on them, see what their information. Well, I, I kind of remember that conversation, but okay. Just want to tell you one more time so that I'm sure you know this. And that's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. They just forget. It was not a, as big of a day on their calendar as it was on yours. Oh yeah. I mean, as parents, you know, <laughs> we, we joke that, you know, 
the P and V sentence, you know, right? And the penis goes in the vagina. Ah, like that is what we're all dreading, right? Is that explanation? That's very overwhelming for parents to say. So we so bravely explain it to our child. We stick to the basic biology with our family's core beliefs. It's not sensual. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, I did it. I didn't fall over or die or whatever. <laughs> and then we think we're kind of done. But then like a year or two go by and our now nine or 10 year old is like, honey, do you remember how babies are born? Remember mom was really brave and good and told you everything that I should have told you. And I don't remember. And you're like, but that was such a big day to me. Like I was, I I did really, I did everything right. You know? (laughs) So again, that's just another way to reemphasize is they're drip by drip by drip by drip is how we want these conversations to go because it takes a lot for them to absorb this information. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know when parents first hear this thought of like, I didn't want to talk to my kids about sex one time. Why in the world would I want to do this multiple times? Um, But the answer is, or the rebuttal to that is that it's just, it's so much easier to do it in bite size, age appropriate phrases and conversations and sound bites, because that's how things are digested and absorbed. Um, And it's also easier as a parent. You're not explaining everything at once. It's funny, like Dallas has kind of, I think, been exposed to birds and bees a lot because you both live here. And so if we're ever at a mom group and a mom brings up the topic of like, man, have y'all talked to your kids yet about sex? The amount of people that like descend on her with, <laughs> you need to check out birds and bees. And this is an ongoing conversation. I'm like, oh gosh, y'all. Okay. We, we let's Back handle her with care, handle her with care. She just didn't know. So th- if we could, yeah, if we can just change the whole thing, like this next generation better off. I mean, honestly, the world is coming at them. Like you said, it's so many different messages. TikTok alone, y'all. I had it for a moment and the amount of things that were coming in my feed, I hadn't even really set it up, but like wrong messaging Mm -hmm. of anything, everything opposite of God's design. I was like, if I was a young kid and I was consuming this and I'm depressed or I'm anxious. And I'm thinking, well, it must be because this person told me the reason I'm depressed and anxious is I'm X, Y, and Z. Anyway, I'm just saying you are empowering parents to change the narrative around sex and being the experts and just setting them up for health, preventing the enemy from getting any foothold with, with abuse, with just perversion in any way. and so this is a big ministry y'all are doing. <laughs> well, we're on a sexual revolution. Yes, that's that's right. Sexual that's revolution. Right. I love yeah. it. So right. everyone can find you. Tell them your website. We'll link to it in the show notes. There's a course they can take. There's so many resources. You'll have a fantastic Instagram account. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. We're working on um, it. So what's the website? And I'll link to okay. it. Our website is birds-bees.com and you can find us on Instagram at birds underscore bees. Um, and we try to share helpful phrases and tidbits on Instagram and our website is where you can find our online course and it takes just under an hour and a half to watch it. So get your husband, tell him this will be a really fun night and <laughs> you can sit down and watch it. Exactly. And you have a podcast too. And we do have a podcast. Yes. yes. A baby podcast. A baby. Um, just been born. Baby yeah. podcast. We are we won't slowly. Tell you yeah. <laughs> Heather is like the pro. And they're so like, I don't even want to talk about our podcast on your podcast, Heather. That's embarrassing. But, will you, but we want to invite you to be on our podcast. Okay. Yeah. I would be honored. I'll be on your yes. podcast. And um, yeah, y'all, this is great for small groups too. Yes. Like if your yes. small group needs some content, you could maybe split it up in, I don't know, over two weeks, three weeks. 
I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, however long you need. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, thank you so much for, for your story. It was so encouraging to us at the beginning. That was really great. That's exactly, exactly why we do what we do, because we want families to have a lifelong conversation with their kids. And uh, we want parents to feel empowered and be confident and to take those fears and just throw them away because mm-hmm. they don't have to be fearful. And uh, you're just a great example of that. So thank you so much for sharing <laughs> your story at the very beginning. Well, and like you said, Mary Flo, the goal is for your kids to have kids because you have <laughs> how many grandkids? We have eight. See, we, three kids, eight, but then eight grandkids. I mean, the multiplication yeah. that's happening. Give you grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> they need to know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much, Megan and Mary Flo. We love having you back. Thank you, too. Heather. Thanks. I hope that you are encouraged. I hope you have a group of moms that you can process this with, maybe a small group that you could work through the curriculum together and just not feel alone in (laughs) being the expert on sex. Um, I want to pray over us because I really feel like this is holy work, that there is kind of um, a centering that comes with knowing who God says we are and how he designed for us to enjoy um, the gift of sex. And so uh, I just feel like it's a battleground and I think we need a supernatural help. Lord, I thank you that you do not leave us alone in this, that your Holy Spirit can empower us. I pray for those moments when we get a question that we feel a little ill-equipped to answer, that we could take a deep breath and say a prayer to you, God, for wisdom and insight on the next right thing to say, that our faces can reflect calm and control, and that we could uh, be unified with our spouses and all those who um, care for our children just in the messaging we want to present, whatever that is and whatever we've decided um, we want to communicate, that we could do that in a way that doesn't add burden and baggage and heartache to our children, but only helps equip them, protect them. And we thank you for the innocence of childhood. I pray, Lord, for each mom and dad who listens that whatever pain, wound, shame, guilt is associated with the topic, that they would come to you with that and know that nothing is too much, that they anything that they are worried they might have to share with their kids that that they could come to you first and be healed that that could be um, a moment with you and that you are so willing to walk with them in it that there is nothing they have done that would be too far too much for you to redeem and restore and we are so thankful that we can trust you in that I pray for this next generation of kids that we could manage this topic better, that they could be voices of your beauty and your design in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, it's kind of a long prayer. It's feeling, feeling that. Okay, y'all meet me back here next week. I'm going to have my friend Jess Connolly back on the show. We're going to talk about the shame we carry related to our body. And she has a good word for us, uh, super helpful, especially if 
today's episode stirred some things up in you and some beliefs you have um, about your body. So I'm thankful when these episodes line up in a way that's helpful. Also, you guys are so kind to reach out to me and tell me when you love an episode. Can I say what really, really helps the show is when you either share publicly on your Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or you tell a friend about the episode, or maybe you go the extra mile and you leave a review on iTunes. We are almost to 2,000 (laughs) reviews. We're so close. We're like really close, like 100 away. So if y'all want to help us um, grow the show, that is a great way to do it. Also, June 21st, starts our Summer of Mentorship. If you've never joined us for Summer of Mentorship, basically we've republished past episodes that maybe you missed or they're so far down in the archives, you haven't gotten to them yet. And we give you discussion questions so that for six weeks you could meet with friends, have an excuse to gather together. Um, And it's kind of like one of our podcast clubs, but if you aren't ready to commit to that during the school year, it's a summer like pop-in June 21st through July So start asking your friends, hey, do you want to kind of get together? You listen to the podcast on your own, and then when you get together, you discuss it. You could do it when your kids are splashing in a kiddie pool. You could go meet up at a place and have coffee or, you know, somewhere at night with adult beverages, whatever you guys want. We leave all of those details to you, but we want to help support you so that you don't mom alone and you foster those relationships, particularly if you haven't seen people in a long time, and now you're going to have maybe some time this summer to do that. All right. Thanks, y'all. I'll see you back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.